and remember how my mother mothered me. And I'm sure she felt like it was Groundhog Day too. Like, I don't want to put her on a pedestal. Like if she was here, she'd be like, Jamie, like it wasn't easy. Like it's what you think happened. (laughs) Like it's, I like, but she made it look easy. Welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Jamie Kolnick about the loss that she has faced in her life and how she feels it has altered her life as a mother. like to start this episode off first by saying thank you so much to all the listeners and everybody that has supported us along the way. This has been an amazing journey so far and it has been such a blast recording episodes and watching the podcast expand. We are currently going through our Heal Your Trauma Mama event, which is 30 days of mini episodes that you can follow along with. And we are also getting ready for our first ever spring festival event on May 15th. This event is going to be packed with guest speakers, activities, vendors, food trucks, giveaways, and it will be a space to truly embrace motherhood. This event is family friendly and kids five and under will be free, but keep in mind that this event is meant to celebrate mamas and bring us together so that we can hear each other's stories and bond as a community. I hope to see you there as past guests of the podcast and mamas from all over come together to make this event possible. Use the promo code ENTERINGMOTHERHOOD50 to get 50% off. To learn more about the event and who you can expect to see there, check out the show notes and head on over to the Entering Motherhood website, or feel free to reach out to me with any questions. And with that, let's get this episode started. Hello and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm so happy to have you here and get this conversation started. So how about you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, everybody. I am Jamie Kolnick. I am super excited to be chatting with Sarah today about all the motherhood things, um, as there are so many, which I had no idea there was when I got into this crazy mess. (laughs) Um, I am a mother of three. I have a a almost six-year-old boy, Zach, almost four-year-old boy, Evan, and a baby girl, Zoe, who is about four and a half months old. Um, I have a children's entertainment company that is nationwide, and I started my first baby about 14 years ago called Jam with Jamie. Um, and I am, uh, originally from Miami where I am now. I actually lived in New York for about 14 years and moved back with the rest of the Northeast, um, to Miami in January, loving being back here near my brother, Mike, who lives in the Grove with his wife and two kids, two girls. Super nice to be near family again. Unfortunately, I've experienced a lot of loss. I lost my brother in a car accident in 1998. He was 18. His name was Alan, is Alan. (laughs) I I believe that um, our souls and our spirits still live on. So I still feel like he's a part of my life, even though he hasn't been here for my, my gosh, 22 years. I don't even know. I can't count right now. Um, My mom battled breast cancer the majority of my life. She passed um, in 2000 nine after a 15 year battle um, to breast cancer. And my father passed away before her uh, to leukemia. He had a shorter battle about five years. Um, so by the time I was, I, I, I call it my freshman year of New York. Um, I had graduated from University of Texas at Austin where I met my husband, dragged him to New York as I was auditioning for Broadway and did a lot of children's theater. My, my sophomore year of actual college, my dad passed away. My freshman year of New York, my mom passed away. Um, so pretty close together and um, just finding myself in the city and, uh, and then losing her was very challenging. Of course, any time to lose her would have been challenging. Um, but navigating life I'm, was after that point was um, 
a journey as everything in life is. Um, so it was another challenge thrown my way and she was hated to be called it, but she was an incredible inspiration for me because of the way that she led her own life and her own mothering, the way that I saw her take care of me and my brother, Mike, even after losing her husband and her child was just so incredible. And I looked up to the way that she handled herself and handled us and wanted us to just aspire to be everything we wanted to be, even when she had these huge roadblocks in her way. So I take that with me in my own mothering journey. And um, that is me in a uh, nutshell. Thanks for sharing all that. And yeah, I think, you know, when they're able to really still have that hope for us and like those aspirations, like even after being through so much their own, like that really speaks to the kind of person that they are. And that is something that like, you know, I'm sure you really try to instill in your own motherhood journey. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think about it enough, honestly, like as we're going through the Groundhog Day experience of motherhood, where things can really feel like the same every day and you're just getting through it and it's seven to seven and you're waking up and then you're picking up, dropping off, picking up, doing your work, doing your thing that it's, it's hard to remember those, that calling, that, that reminder of, of how to bring in the joy into it and and remember how my mother mothered me. And I'm sure she felt like it was Groundhog Day too. Like, I don't want to put her on a pedestal. Like, if she was here, she'd be like, Jamie, like, it wasn't easy. Like, <laughs> what you think happened? <laughs> like, it's, I like, but she made it look easy. Like, yeah, I don't know. I see, as a mother now, I'm like, oh my God, this is so hard. <laughs> like, this is so hard. I would, and she always told me that I, um, if ever I had a question, I should just ask her. Like as she was sicker, like she, she told me just to ask that question, and the answer would always be there. So I often will ask that question, whatever that question might be, and she'll be there to answer it, which helps me in the moments where I'm really missing her and wishing she was there to give me advice. She gave me a gift by saying that. It's just. Uh, getting back to the point of like remembering to ask that question, remembering to stop and pause and one, allow ourselves to agree that they're not there, but allow ourselves to like channel that incredible energy that we were gifted from them for so long is important in this journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, for me, I was only nine when my mom had passed. And it's hard to comprehend sometimes like the type of person that she was because like it's more difficult to go back, especially now like in my 30s, like to like try to remember like what it was like to be when you were nine years old and and then to also remember what a person was like. And I hear stories and everything of people kind of saying like, oh, she was this, she was that and blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, it's like, of course, they're going to say like the best of the best of like what she was and who she was and everything. Like you'd hope that like, I guess, like bring up bad situations and stuff like when they're trying to like remember your mother. But, you know, I, I wish I could kind of like have deeper conversations with her about things. And like you said, though, like we can ask those questions. And like, there's a little bit of, like you said, like channeling or like feeling that energy and like being able to connect with them still. And I think some of that really didn't even occur to me as much as it does now until I entered motherhood, until I was able to be like, wow, like this connection with my daughter is so strong. Like, how could that ever go away. And so like, I really do feel like they're still present. They're still around. We're able to really tap into that when we, when we take the time to really just kind of like rest and listen and, and feel them around us. That's so interesting. And also us, both of us coming from two different ages of losing our mother and the impact that's had on our lives and our and our motherhood is I sure speak I'm sure speaks to a lot of people who listen 
that are coming into this conversation with us at different points of losing that parent or a parenting figure or haven't lost them and maybe can appreciate them more after listening, you know? Um, but also I, I want to like hit on the people sharing with you what she was like and like being scared about like hearing bad things. I think it's good to hear the bad things too, because that normalizes the human. And that shows us that like, we're not so bad, like whatever we're doing, like there's no one going back to this pedestal idea, especially when someone's died. Like we often will put them on this pedestal as if they did everything perfectly. And it's, it's, it's really good to let in those moments where they were a real human too, because we need to normalize that for ourselves as well. Like we're not perfect. Like, and it's okay not to do everything by the book or how we thought our parents did it or how we think we were supposed to do this um, or what it was supposed to look like. I came from a family of three kids, two two, uh, brothers who are older than me and I'm the youngest. And I always wanted that. I don't know why. Like I just did. I'm like, my parents did it. And we had such a great, wonderful childhood. And that's what I want. And now that I have it, I am so beyond grateful but like, if, I'm not going to sit here and say it's like fucking peaches and creams every single day. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not. It's, um, it's, it's a big challenge because these little people have such personalities. And I don't know. I guess I didn't think about the personalities that came along with the happy picture. Like, I, I wasn't, I didn't, you don't know until you know. Yeah. But I do call on like my own childhood and my parent, like how my parents responded to us growing up. And while it's extremely foggy and I'm sure foggier for you, it's still foggy, even though I had my mom up until I was 25. Um, because we can only retain so much, I think, in our brains. Um, even at 25, like I don't really remember what happened. Like I remember like pictures, events, maybe events that like you talk about often, you remember those more, like memory is a very interesting thing and a whole other conversation. But if we're picking all the good things out and that's what we're remembering from the nine years, from the 25 years, even from the 40 years, even at 50 for that 40 year old that lost their parent at 50, everything from 40 and before it might also still be foggier as we get older and maybe lose brain cells because (laughs) and only focus on certain things. It's these events, it's these pictures. So I think our memory also plays into how our mothering without mothers, um, how that journey is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, like talking on, you know, memories and stuff like that, I think if we're not being more, present and aware of like what's currently happening it's harder to hold on to those memories like you were saying like just like kind of chugging through the day and like going through everything and like if you're just thinking it's like same thing like over and over and over again those little tiny moments are not going to be able to like stick out as much or you know like like I was not you know tracking things at like nine and under of like my day-to-day life and like there's not like a Facebook to track back to or like even like journal accounts or anything like that like there's like some like things that I wrote but like I wasn't even old enough you know to like document those kinds of things up until like a certain age but again like we're not I don't want to say like appreciative but I think it's kind of like you don't you don't think that that's going to happen until it does. And like, you don't have any way of knowing it's going to happen until it does. So I think it's like one of those things that it's really made me value my relationship with my children and like relationships in general, a lot more to kind of like tap in and connect to that present moment in a way, because you know, you hear like, oh, like you never know, like when your last day might be or like things like that. But like when I think you've been directly like impacted by loss, 
that realization of it hits a lot more. So I don't know if that's something that you've kind of like realized or like has like shifted something in your life, like after the like loss, even like of your brother and then like your parents, um, if that's kind of been something that like you, you recognize a lot easier in relationships with people. Yeah, it's, I think what we're talking about is perspective, like what we had and what we don't have now and how do we channel or rechannel our energy knowing what we don't have anymore. Um, so gratitude for what we have in our lives, whether it be children or what abundance that is, which I'm constantly working on. I'm extremely spiritual and woo. I'm very woo. I think that happened to me because of my loss. Maybe I would have been woo regardless. My mom was very into spirituality as well. Looking at what I've lost and seeing my children actually allows me to just appreciate them a hell of a lot more um, and appreciate what I have a lot more as well. But then there's the days where it's still really hard. And um, it's, it's hard to remember that those, it's a real, it's real work to constantly remember those things and to bring that into your every day, to, to remember the glass half full and the, and what, but look at what I don't have and what I have now. Um, that is conscious. That's like real consciousness of an, an awareness and work, putting in the work to meditate on that and think about that constantly and live it. Um, and also remind ourselves that we're human and it's okay when we're not doing that, giving ourselves grace to not always be that. But yeah, there's, there's certainly, especially when you've experienced loss, even if it's not human loss, um, but the challenges that we all face in our lives, we're all faced with some sort of loss, loss of a job, loss of a, a marriage, uh, you know, loss of identity, whatever that means once you become a mother. And with, with, those, with those moments of loss, taking that into the things that you do have and reminding yourself of that is really important, but it's hard. It's hard work. Yeah. So specifically, as you were entering motherhood for the first time, so with your six-year-old, you know, what was that like with not having your parents around at that time? And, you know, not even like specifically just your mom, but just in general, like not having those individuals, did it bring up other feelings or, or what kind of emotions were kind of like going in because of that situation? It was hard. I tend to be someone who does look at the bright side and leans on the people that are in my life. And I'm grateful for that, but I also think it's, you know, a defense mechanism to keep myself from thinking about the things I don't have. Um, so if I think too much about it, like I get worried, I'll get trapped in this really dark hole. So I think it's served me, but it's also kept me from delving in to all of those emotions of the loss. And I'm okay with it because that's just where I'm at. Um, but sometimes I'm frustrated with myself. Why, why can't you just ball, you know? What, why, why can't you just cry when it's time to cry? Um, and I, it's protection. I protected myself. I had a really incredible experience during my birth with Zach, my oldest. Um, I had, I was going on, I want to say 36 hours. And I was in the hospital at that point. I did a lot of it without any medication because I didn't even, even have a choice because I wasn't dilated. But I was, I was laboring for a day and a half hard laboring and not dilating. And I was early, I was 37 and a half weeks. So they couldn't even, um, speed things up for me. And so, uh, I was at the end. So I was very tired. So I would like, I think maybe I was hallucinating a little bit. Um, I was exhausted, but I was like nearing the finish line and 
Zach was almost here and the pain was so intense. Cause like, even with medication at that point, you feel everything that's going on, but then there's moments in between the pushing and whatever, where you don't feel anything at all. You're just numb. And I was elated. Like I was on, and I felt like my mother was right next to me in that moment. And it was one, and I was crying and I was crying and I was so present and so there with my first child about to come, my, my mother, I felt her like there. I just felt her spirit with me. And I don't know what it was, but I was so connected and I, and he, and I was, I was just in another, I was on another planet. Um, what, maybe the drugs they were giving me were really good. <laughs> But I'll take it. And then I remember with my second, I was like, ooh, is that going to happen again? And like a little bit. And then with my first, like a little bit. But like that first time, because I wasn't expecting it. Um, and because it was my longest labor, I think, and I was just so in the clouds. Um, it was really, it was really incredible. But I do feel so connected to my mother. And I feel like no matter what I do in this life, she's going to be there in some capacity, whether it's just a part of me because of she made me. And, um, you know, I, I learned so much from her about like how to, how to approach things in life. I also learned that like, we're not perfect and that's okay. Um, which I take with me and my mothering every day. Um, and sometimes I get really down on myself or like how I reacted or like how I did X, Y, Z or whatever frustrations come up as parents. Um, I like to give, I like to think about giving ourselves permission to not be perfect. Yeah. I love that. And then did you ever have, you know, like, I know that you were saying like, you kind of envisioned like, oh, like this is the family that my parents had. Like I wanted that too. Did you ever kind of have a fear or like any sort of thoughts about like not having kids, like not wanting to have kids because like the loss that you experienced and not wanting to do that to your own children in a sense? Because I think that's something that sort of like worried me or concerned me and still kind of runs through my head now. Like, well, you know, I always tell my daughter, like, I'll always be here for you. Like, I'll always like be around. And it's like, but, you know, like somewhere in your head because of the loss that you've experienced, you know, that's not entirely possible. And yeah, we can always feel that connection. We can always kind of like feel them around us. But like physically here in this life, we may not always be able to be there for them. So has that ever been like something that kind of like came up or, or something that you processed in becoming a mom? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That thoughts definitely crossed my mind. It's like, you know, I think it's why some people don't like to get close to people, you know, because of losing them or the fear of loss or that coming up, even not as a parent, but just as in relationships, you know, losing, a, having a, a challenging relationship with a partner and then not wanting to get into another one. I personally have looked at growing a family as, as reinventing my wheel, reinventing my life. So the bigger, the better for me. And I always had that in mind. I think with the three kids that I've lost three, I want three more. I'll never be able to replace them, but I want a big family. And now that I have three, I'm good. I don't want it any bigger than that. <laughs> I already have new traumas to get through <laughs> being a parent and the hormones postpartum of you know, the big, the feelings and navigating that. So I'm good. But certainly I think about my kids and the conversations of death, which surprisingly have already come up. I wasn't expecting that, but I talk about their uncle Alan and who he was to me and that he's not here anymore. And they will reflect these stories back to me. So I'll say he was in a car accident. I don't, I don't like to sugarcoat anything. I mean, I sugarcoat to an extent, but I'd say how he passed. I said he was in a car accident. And of course I think like, oh, should I not be saying that? Should I not say the words car accident? Is this creating some sort of fear about cars? But like, they're not scared about getting in a car and I'm just being honest with them. And then they're like, so did the car flip? And like, he 
like they get a little gory about it. And I'm like, well, like, and then I'm like, like I back up a little bit. I'm like, you know, like he just, he passed away and he was in a, it was, it's, it was, it's, it was, don't worry. It's like, you know, that's why we put on our seatbelts and that's why we drive as safely as we possibly can. Like I sugarcoat things a little cause they're six and four, <laughs> but like, I don't want to scare them. But the thought of like me not being there for them is terrifying. Like I can't even go there. And I don't think my parents could even go there. Like my parents never thought they were going to die. Till the moment my parents died, they didn't think they were going to die. I, I mentally can't go there. I'm, I would like for us all to be evolved enough as, as a population that we can just handle people coming and going and living and dying because that's the cycle. But that's like seriously evolved for us to just be chill with that concept. Um, even towards the end, I think there's some people who are like, I'm so good with going. Like, you guys will be fine. Like, I'm going to die now and you guys are going to be here on earth and you'll be cool. And then like, we'll see each other again. It's chill. Like, I'd love for us all to think that way because sometimes I do think that way. Because, and I think, I think it's semi-evolved, semi-defense mechanism to like, and in spirituality, I don't want to call spirituality a defense mechanism. I think we turn to a religion and spirituality and whatever gets us going to help us keep going that is invigorating for us to lean on those things to 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 be more evolved. I think we learn from those things in order to uh, get to the next step and deal with these challenges that life gives to us. Like all of us have something, whatever it might be to help us cope. Um, and the people that are lost without that, I think eventually find some of that and sometimes don't. And, and I think it's interesting to look at that pattern with, human beings, like how we deal with coping with loss and the different ways in which we cope um, or, or things that we lean into to cope. Big conversation. Lots to talk about there, obviously. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how you brought up, you know, like how do you kind of talk to your kids about death and like, what does that sort of look like? Because like, even with my daughter, she's only two and it didn't really occur to me like she's able to start to comprehend like who these people in my life were like she remembers people now she can recognize faces she knows who people are so like why can't I start talking about like my mom and my stepmom and the loss that we've had or even just like you know like other people that we've lost in life and um this past Thanksgiving like we took her to the grave site and we explained to her like here's your grandmoms, you know, cause she knows that word. Like she knows like, okay, like grandmom and grandpa and things like that. Like she's starting to like comprehend all of that. And I think it's important that we do honor those people and that we really kind of emulate who they were and, and talk about them because they were people that were in our life and, and meant a lot to us. So I think, you know, it's never too, early to start like showing them pictures or start like saying things about them. And I think it helps us remember them as well. Like to be able to like relive those moments or like tap back into that. And I think like it helps in that like journey of entering motherhood and, and not having them physically here. Talking, talking to kids about death in general and, and, how we who who's not here anymore yeah and how much you do that like I think I should probably have more pictures out I think that that helps them like know who like who who it is that I'm missing in my life yeah maybe like what mommy is all about a little bit more about that just keeping pictures out reminding them who they were it's important it's a part of who they they're they're like lineage uh their family tree too and I want my son to like talk about Uncle Alan as if, I mean, it makes him feel more alive for me, like, or my parents, it makes them feel more alive for me when my ki my own kids know about them because they're so sad that they're not here. I know they're so sad they're not here. So for their grandchildren to know who they were and to see pictures of them is important to them and it's important to me. So that's why I, 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 personally want to talk about it. I don't want to like swipe them under a rug 
I want them to know that they were here and they were very alive and they would have loved them so much. And they were super important to mommy. Um, and cause I think that helps them look at me as a real person eventually. Right now they don't see me as a real person. <laughs> it's mommy who gets them Baba and gives them food uh-huh. and makes them go to bed at a certain time. So, <laughs> I, you know, eventually I think if we keep planting the seeds there, of who's not here anymore that we want them to know of, it, it will get instilled in them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they are able to, like, you know, you said, like, sometimes it gets like a little bit gory or they ask like a lot of questions, but like, I really do feel like kids are able to comprehend and understand a lot more than, than sometimes we give them credit for. I think, you know, they're able to really tap into the, you know, like woo-woo-ness of things a lot more sometimes. And like, you know, we can, we can learn a lot from them. And like, even how you were saying, you know, like you had that uh, experience when you were giving birth to your first, like really just tapping into, you know, what's happening in that life that you are creating in that moment. And I think, you know, that's something that really kind of clicked for me too. Like I was able to kind of open up to so many things that maybe had been blocked out for so long. And like, it was difficult, like, kind of tapping into that trauma or like reliving like moments or or rethinking about like things that I had pushed down so much. But I think it was like, you know, how you were saying like a defense mechanism and, and just sort of like, oh, let me just block this out because like it will make it easier for the time being. And I think like in stepping into motherhood, it made me kind of like have to be exposed to those things almost all over again. Or like it gave me the opportunity to really tap back into that and get a chance to to heal from a lot of things that uh, had been kind of in my subconscious for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Which is so hard to do. I mean, that is those things are ingrained in us, the loss, especially at such a young age. It's you protected yourself for a long time too from like, can't always be in those feelings and they're going to be there and they're going to come up. I always say grief is a journey. Like this is not, and I think for a very long time, I always say recently, like in the past five years, I've started to say that. I didn't, I didn't used to talk to myself this way. I only recently started going on this journey of understanding my grief and, and embracing it in a way that I didn't before previously, like I was like, this happened to me and I'm just not going to think about it because if I don't think about it, then it's like, I'm fine. And I can just take in all the million things that I'm doing every single day. But like that shit catches up to you pretty quickly. And being like, I was having panic attacks for a while. I had, you know, anxiety. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 I'm sure it was just like, it's in my bloodstream, you know, these, these losses are there and the less I look at them and just go through my daily life, the more it's going to keep creeping up on me. So I'm still struggling with that. Like that's, that's a, I mean, every day I'm not waking up and thinking like, what can I work on today with my grief? Like, I'm like, like, how do I get my kids ready for school in time so that they're not tardy again? Like, that's what I'm thinking about. How do I get my meditations in and then do my work and like take this call and that call and go get them, you know, like, you know, network and this and that and all the things that I want to be as a human. And then, of course, at the end of the day, I'm left with like this underlying thing that I'm just always going to need to work on. And it's always going to be there. And especially being back in Miami where the loss is pretty strong being in New York, I didn't have to think about it as much. I just, this is new. I just moved back to Miami in January and I, I keep forgetting that it's been a hard year. And that's probably a part of why, I mean, I also had my third baby and like I'm in between houses and whatever, but like, that's, that's there. Like, let's honor that. Let's honor whatever big changes we're going through and not just chalk it up to X, Y, Z. Like it's, there's big things that are there that we've, that are traumas that we've experienced, whether it be my experiences or your experiences or whoever's listening, we've all had these big things that happened to us as children um, and throughout our young adulthood or, you know, or, or, or childhood that we 
to protect ourselves don't didn't couldn't possibly think about so much and we dealt with it the best that we could we maybe went to therapy i did um you know we we wrote about it whatever it is but it didn't just stop there after like a certain period like it's still there because we weren't i don't think we were mature enough to fully handle it now as we get older like we understand ourselves a little bit more we understand the res- we understand the resources that are available to us to understand more, to become more evolved humans and understand that it's, that we're just going to keep learning more about ourselves and what this loss means mm-hmm. and yeah. how it affects our children yeah. and us as parents. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. And it's something too, that I think it does take time to really even ask those questions and to be able to process what had happened or what is happening or, or anything like that. And so, like you said, like, it is just like, it's a never ending journey and it's something that, you know, you just like learn more and more of, but I think you have to also be willing to want to step into that place. Like you have to be willing to want to find out more about yourself and about like what's going on and things like that. And I think that's like a huge step in itself. I think, you know, you can't push somebody who's grieving to be like open to trying ways of healing or or doing stuff like that. Like they have to want that for themselves first. And I think, you know, like even going to therapy or something like that, like you can go and sit in the room and, and nothing will ever happen, but you have to be willing to kind of tap into that and want to, you know, really open that box in a sense and and see you know like what you can learn when you when you start asking yourself questions or things like that and I know that you said um you know like writing stuff out or therapy and stuff like that what have been some other ways that you've really kind of been able to help cope or or what have been like your favorite ways to remember them or honor them and and heal within that grief Mm -hmm. Um, writing has always been therapeutic for me meditating I learned transcendental meditation with my mother when she was with at home with hospice Um, so that's something that is very near and dear to me that I can access every single day twice a day and sometimes my meditations are very surface and I'm thinking about what I'm going to wear when I'm done um, or like counting the minutes in my head. Like I'm like too, you know, whelmed up. Like I had this whole, me and my mom both were like, we can't meditate. We don't know how to sit still. And now, and one of like the biggest gifts to me was meditation and understanding not to judge my meditations or judge myself period, which is harder, but not judging my meditations was really enlightening um, because I always thought like you had to do it a certain way. Um, So that helps me connect to her. That helps me connect to myself. Exercising when I do it is really helpful. Um, Nutrition and giving myself the right foods, talking to myself the right way, not being mean to myself or saying mean things about how I did this or how I did that or how this person might be better than me or all the shit we tell ourselves, that is helpful for me and my journey and accessing my abilities and being the best person I can be and to letting that grief in happens with all of those things. You know, when I'm taking care of myself and especially postpartum, four and a half months out of, uh, you know, just having gone through a big physical and life change. Um, I need to take care of myself right now. And then all those other things will like kind of fall into place, but I need to take care of myself first. I need to focus on what my intention is each day with how I want to step into each day, how I want to feed myself, how I want to get my energy, how to take care of myself so that I can then think about what's underlying because it isn't really, I mean, like, of course my losses are 
in it right now, but it's very muddled at the moment because I just had my third child and it's been hard. So um, I noticed that and I feel like that's a step in the right direction, (laughs) but like, I don't have like the answers just yet. Like I'm still figuring it out. And I think all of us in some capacity are are figuring it out. I don't think I'm ever going to have the answer. (laughs) Like, I think I'm always going to be kind of figuring it out. And I think that's good. Like we're always learning. And as long as we have a good head on our shoulders about what we're getting into, or we don't have a good head on our shoulders, but we notice that we don't have a good head on our shoulders, that's a good step in the right direction. Like, you know, like we all have our shit. As long as we're like aware of that, then we're good. Like just keep being aware of like what we need to work on. And one of those big things I'm always going to be working on is not having my parents or my brother here. It's always going to be there. It's not going away. It's not changing. So, um, I can't control that, which is why I'm such a control freak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that awareness is key. Like you, you definitely like hit that point right on. And I think just like being open to knowing that like, we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to know all the answers. And I think like, that's something that I really want to instill in my children as well. Like, look, like mommy's not perfect. I don't know all the answers. I'm going to help you try to find answers and I'm going to help you like work through your feelings and, and things that are going on. But like, there might not be a perfect solution And like, that's okay. And I think like really being able to let go of that perfectionism has been like a huge gift to understand and know that like, you know, you can't fix everything. Like everything doesn't have a solution. And like, we're just not meant to know everything all the time. What a gift you can give to your kids. And if you just keep saying it, like, maybe it'll make an impression, you know, maybe not for a while, but like, I love that concept of like, mommy doesn't have all the answers because I'm human just like you. So like, I'm going to help you with whatever this problem is that you have as best as I possibly can. And then just know, like, sometimes we're not always going to have the answer and like sitting with that discomfort for both of you is good because that's real life. We're not always going to have the answers. Even your mommy doesn't know. I actually, I don't know if my parents said that enough to me. I think I was always striving for some perfection. Like it had to be a certain way. She'd probably be here right now. Like, what are you talking about, Jamie? Of course I did. I never said I had. (laughs) But like, I don't know. Like, I think think it is something that we kind of like, like you were saying, like we put our parents in like such like high regards. And I think like, you know, like we look for their, not like acceptance, but like their approval and and such. And like, we, we kind of like weigh their opinion, like very heavily. And I think like, that's something that I want to instill in my children of like, well, how do you feel? Like, what do you think about it? Because your opinion is just as valid and just as important. And we can like talk through it together. Like my opinion isn't like so superior that like what they want to do isn't important as well. Absolutely. I think those are all really important things to bring into your everyday and to remember that, you know, to remember that um, we don't have to have all the answers and that we can let our children lead um, when when something is happening. Like, what do you think? How do you feel? And sometimes, or most of the time at least, my children, they don't really know what to say in those moments. Sometimes they have a little bit of an answer. But even just like starting that conversation, even if it doesn't seem possible for them to come up with the answers, they're, that they're, they feel so valued that you're asking them how they feel and what they think. And also it's okay to admit that you might not have the answer to something and that we're just going to figure this out right now. I'm in therapy with my older son and, um, constantly like just going through the motions of learning about each other and why we're there. And what I told him was like, we, we go with him. Um, it's called PCIT, which is so interesting. And I have not shared with anybody, so I don't even know why I'm talking about this, but (laughs) what do I have to hide? We all go through our things. And as a family unit, we wanted to figure out how to help him with tantrums. So we're doing this wonderful program at FIU called PCIT. 
and it's I'm forgetting what it stands for, but it's like parent child. I think I got two of them right. <laughs> parent child training or something. Like so they watch us playing with him through like a mirror and they're feeding us um or they're like talking to us through an earpiece. And it's fascinating because it's teaching us the skills in how to communicate with him and telling him what we're doing there. I was very honest. And I said, you know, we're learning how to talk to each other better. This isn't just a him thing. It's an us thing. We're learning how to communicate with you and you're learning how to communicate with us. And the reason why I got into this is because I don't know how much he understands that just yet. And he's probably like, why are we here? Or like, what are we doing? But I've seen an impact in our family unit and how we talk to him and how he talks to us. So it's definitely making an impact. Um, therapy, I think with kids specifically, it's really hard to know what shifts are happening because they're very small, but messages are getting across. Um, and that's been a really wonderful experience for us so far. Hard, but great. So what would, you know, you being four months postpartum right now, like still pretty, pretty fresh in all of it, what would be kind of like maybe something that you heard with your first or, you know, like something that you really have noticed now that you've done differently with your third that you feel like new moms really need to be like open to and aware of? You can't be everything for everyone you need to take care of yourself first. And then you can do as much as you can for everybody else. But like first and fricking foremost, take care of yourself. Do the things that you love for yourself. I got advice, which is really great um, from a dear friend of mine to for you and your partner to take care of each other before the kids, which I also think is important too, to like really coddle your relationship because as a team and as a unit, you're gonna you're gonna butt heads. It's gonna happen. And when that's happening, you really can't take care of the kids because you're coming up with different ideas and you're not with each other. But first it's you, then it's you and your partner, if you're if you have one. And then it's then it's what can I give to my children? Because they're take, take, taking all from, from us all day. Take, 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 take. And then your partner's like, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> like uh, can I have a piece of that? You know? And I'm like, no piece, <laughs> not interested. Um, and which is a whole other conversation as we know, but like, as, as I start to take even more care of myself, um, which I'm in the process of doing and noticing, then I'll be able to get more of myself to my partner. Then I can really be even more present for my kids right now. I've just been like, kids, 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 take, 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 like as if they're like leeching onto me and just like sucking blood out of me <laughs> in a really like hard, but amazing way. I'd like to be leeched on. Um, <laughs> I love them. I want to be there for them, but I've lost myself um, as a part of that and like letting that happen and let myself um, take myself away from things that I really love or mentally and physically. So, um, yeah, long-winded answer. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, that's so true. I think they have the ability to receive so easily that, you know, it does feel like they're, like, taking from you because they're just so open to accepting that help for themselves. And I think that's something that we can really learn from them and be like, I'm allowed to ask for help, too. Like, I'm allowed to take that time for myself. And do you have any like favorite ways of, of self-care or, or really like what you've been, I guess, hooked on like the most in postpartum? Um, I let myself at two months go to New York by myself. My husband had recently taken a work trip like two weeks prior. It was very hard. And I'm like, I had an event there and I'm like, I need to go to New York to find myself again. And I just went back I was by myself and I had two nights in a hotel alone and I was like nervous and I was, you know, I was still breastfeeding, but I was, we were supplementing with, with bottles. So I know it's really hard when you're solely breastfeeding to do this, but I, I was lucky in the fact that I was able to, I just pumped the whole time that I was there to keep my supply up and I just went 
And um, I did all the things like got getting my meditations in. I didn't exercise. Um, I didn't eat well. I I great. I didn't eat well. I I just gave my pers- myself permission to have fun. Um, and that's that was like my self care. That was like my first step into self care because I was like in a dark place before that. I was trapped in my house. I also feel fortunate enough to have care here. So like I have a nanny for my baby. Um, I have a babysitter who takes care of the boys some nights because not just one person can do it. And I don't have my parents here and Sean doesn't have his parents here. So we lean on amazing caregivers to help us um, to go out and to, to see each other and just each other and have a meal and to meet new friends and socialize and figuring out the, um, the support at home that we need in order to do that. And then, you know, the meditating, the nutrition, the exercising, all those things, whatever you need, whatever, even if it's 10, even you can't do those things. Cause I know not everybody can just t- t- go take a trip to New York, like finding even a half an hour for yourself. It's possible to go for a walk and just listen to your favorite songs that make you happy or like, you know, reading a book somewhere or like whatever it is that make you happy, just like being intentional about finding that time to find yourself again before you go back into the zoo, as we all know. (laughs) I love that. Well, thank you so much for, you know, really sharing your story and diving into loss and just motherhood in general and how that's all tied together. So, you know, I, I appreciate you coming and speaking with me for this time. Thanks for speaking with me as well. It was so nice to have this conversation and um, a lot came up that I'm sure comes up for you all the time that you don't even hit on topics that you're anticipating speaking about. So um, I hope this is helpful for whoever's listening. And it was so lovely to speak with you today. If there's a listener that wants to, you know, reach out to you, connect with you more, how can we get in contact with you? Where are you at on social media and whatnot and everything like that? Um, You can follow me at Jam with Jamie for my, that's like my career funny page, fun page. Do a lot of funny Instagram reels on there. Um, And my personal Instagram page is at Jamie Kolnick. And I can be reached at jamiekolnick at gmail.com. Um, and I'm open to anyone who wants to reach out. I'm always game to have conversations about pretty much anything. (laughs) Perfect. I love that. Well, thank you again so much. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful, and if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood.